Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a very special episode of Bald Move Pulp Movies. Uh, we're talking about the 25th anniversary of Blade, the badass vampire film. Uh, this was directed by Stephen Norrington, who was an FX uh, a special effects horror specialist. Uh, before he turned director. His last film, though, was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And according to uh, 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 Stephen Dorff, he's been working on making a film with miniatures in his own home for the past decade. So everybody we'll see got how a, that turns out. Everybody got a hobby during the pandemic, right? <laughs> this is true. It just he feels start, like a decade. He started his during the uh, avian flu pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh-huh. just never, never came out of that cave. Uh, it's written by... I, I can't get away from this guy, David S. Goyer, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote Dark City, this entire Blade trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, Man of Steel, Superman versus Batman. Uh, he's also director of Blade Trinity, and he's the showrunner for Foundation on Apple TV and the Sandman series on Netflix. I should be talking to him later on today about uh, Foundation. Uh, it stars Wesley Snipes, newly minted official badass, bald move badass. Uh, with Shea Serrano helping us out. Uh, apparently, he wanted to do Black Panther. Had been spending a good a part of his uh, film career to that point, building the clout to, to to do a Black Panther film. Couldn't get it done, and finally settled for starring in Blade. Of course, we saw him recently in Demolition Man. You see him in New Jack City, White Men Can't Jump, Rising Sun, Jungle Fever, tons of stuff. Uh, Steven Dorff is the villain. Um, I, the only thing I've really ever seen him in and liked is True Detective Season 3. Okay. Yeah, he's in the latest season of uh, Righteous Gemstones, and, you know, he's fine in that. He he is what he needs to be. Yes, he's very good at that. You didn't like Uh, him in his blue e-cig commercial? I love him in that. He's amazing. I mean, he made vaping cool. (laughs) Like, the reason everyone's vaping now, uh, you can thank Stephen Dorff for that. Uh Uh-huh, sure. Uh, Chris Christopherson, uh, infamous songwriter. He did uh, Me and Bobby McGee for Janis Joplin, Sunday Morning Coming Down for his buddy Johnny Cash, that later formed the supergroup Highwaymen, become pioneers in the outlaw country music scene, rebelling against the Nashville establishment. He's in this film. He's a badass. Uh, and Boucher Wright uh, was in Dead Presidents. Donal Lowe, actual vampire, we discovered in a uh, season of uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh-huh. Uh, you've probably seen him on Sons of Anarchy or Vikings. He's also in Terriers. Weird, pro- professional weird man, Udo Kier. Yeah, professional uh, creep. Is in Suspiria, Suspiria. I also found, this is a fun fact, he's been in almost every Lars von Trier movie, except for... Um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. What was it? Antichrist, Nymphomane. It, it's, uh, there's there's like three. I, I've, I've already closed it at Wikipedia, but yeah, he's... Mm. Uh, he's and then uh, Tracy Lords. Did you recognize Tracy Lords? Uh, was she the woman in the opening of this? In yes. The okay. The, yeah. the, 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 the hunter, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, famed adult film superstar. Mm-hmm. Tracy Lords. Um, 
what do we I, so i want to start this conversation 25th anniversary of blade i argue that this is the first successful modern comic book movie now there's any number of those words that's doing a lot to kind of filter <laughs> that criteria down but you know some yeah. people want to say like spawn in 97 some people want to go sure. and you know talk about keaton's batman uh, some people want to go in the other direction and say, oh, it was Iron Man or the Dark Knight in 97, 98. But to me, I think Blade paves the way. Blade shows how to do an adaptation. It gets away from the spandex originality to like a cinematic adaptation. And I think, uh, you know, one David S. Goyer is a, a big, big reason why that happens. What's what's your feeling on how this how influential this film was? Uh, yeah, I think I can probably get behind that. Um, none of them had, had breakbeat dubstep type soundtracks. So I think that goes a long <laughs> way, uh, toward making it feel more modern. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think there's a strong case to be made for that. And yeah, it's uh, Goyer in large part was responsible for the tone of this film, uh, according to what I read. Yeah. Like, um, not there's just a lot of things that he went to bat for. Um, I guess mm-hmm. Blade was primarily uh, famous for wielding these little throwing knives that he hand carved out of uh, teak wood or some shit, you know, wooden stakes essentially. And Goyer kind of updated it to be the sleek kind of body armor samurai. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the 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 trench coat aesthetic before the Matrix. So he's doing a lot um, of stuff before the Matrix. We'll talk about it here in a second, but. Yeah, I think this is super influential in superhero movies. Yeah, I wonder if you get like the X-Men uh, in the following year, if you don't get Blade. I wonder, you know, and it's it's an open question. Like if, if Blade and X-Men had flopped, do you even get, you know, the super like, oh, oh I think if you want to say like ultra modern, the, 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 the what we think of a comic yeah. book films, I think was born with Iron Man and the Dark Knight. But for sure, for sure. Um. What if we go back even further? What if we say Dark Man was the first modern superhero movie? That so is Dark uh, is is that actually based on a an IP? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But it's got the aesthetic. You're right. It's got the uh-huh. uh, because I don't know if it's literally a comic book movie because you know I don't I don't I I made that but it could be some kind of dark horse image thing that I'm not familiar with. I thought um, it was, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, that was that was the right. Sam Raimi film. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's influential. I think it's very cool. I think the movie holds up with a giant asterisk uh, because this is one of those movies at the unfortunate junction of like convincing CG and practical yeah. effects, and clearly they had some big ambitions to do, um, especially in the third act. I think the third act is a little flat because some of the stuff didn't quite work out. Um, but yeah, he. I think that um, it, it mostly holds up, other than some of the blood and, I guess, CGI demon kind of work, which is a shame uh-huh. because all they had to do was Lost Ark it. Like, you know, just just run back 1979 Mm -hmm. film effects. And I think that scene uh, plays a little bit better. But but yeah, I I think I think it holds up. Yeah, um, I don't know. The the CG simultaneously makes it feel more modern and less modern because it's CG, which is all over modern superhero stuff. But it's kind of bad CG. So 
it also yeah. dates it pretty strongly. Um, yeah, I, I want I I think this is a great candidate for a remaster. I I usually don't like when they go in and they mess with the practical effects and turn them digital and try and you know gussy them all up. This one I think needs it um, because it was just made in a time when that effects work couldn't be done the way they wanted to. Um, and it wasn't practical. So it's not like they're taking something that would be ser- perfectly serviceable and turning it into CG. It's they, this kind of needs it. Yeah. I, 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 the only thing I would hesitate is that they are actually remaking it with Mahershala Ali and the blade role. So they might just, be, Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, now I don't know because I, that I, I heard about that before the pandemic. I, think it's still a, a, con, a concern but yeah, um, who knows at this point but yeah you're right because they could just you know um i don't think there's anything wrong with the plot per se you just update no. some of those graphics and i think it uh, it works real nice uh talitha mentioned our producer that the, the dark man is based on an original short story by Raimi. so ah okay so literal not by definition movie, of the it's not a it's not technically a superhero film but uh not a, not a if, comic if Stan, book superhero film. If Stan Lee at some point had stamped okay on the mm-hmm. concept art, it could have been. So if they could have got him to sign on as a producer, then yeah, it would have been. It is an interesting transition period for like comic book films too, because like you could see that Marvel had some things they were wanting to do. Like they tried to get a Stan Stan Lee cameo in, but like the timing and the set just wasn't right. It, the, uh, they, they would never you know when he was still alive they would never let that kind of oversight happen um no i thought it's interesting that the studios tried to pressure goyer into writing blade as a white guy uh yeah that's ridiculous but yeah it was 1998 i guess they feared that a black lead in this role would not sell i don't know i don't know what they're thinking was it's interesting because, like, I don't know that there's anything intrinsically black about this particular um, depiction sure. of Blade. I could be wrong. I'm a white guy, so what the fuck do I know? I, I, I thought they were starting to approach that with the the t- their mother's talk about like these are my people now or so. But like, it's it felt like maybe there was stuff with the mother that was because hmm. this is like a two and a half hour movie or two forty two hour forty minute movie when it was first submitted. Uh, I, I bet there's a lot of material about his mother that got cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you, you're right. I mean, there's there's, there's nothing inherently. It didn't feel like there's anything inherently uh, black about uh, Blade, except for that that's how he was envisioned. And now that Wesley Snipes has portrayed him, it's like it kind of seems ridiculous to envision him any other way. Oh yeah, he defined that character. Um... He he made that character iconic with his portrayal of it, you know. Yeah. Well, that's funny because when we we're talking about iconic, like, like Blade, I don't know is an iconic character. Had Wesley Snipes not played him for three movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, because that's the other thing about the Blade trilogy. It also um, kind of kicked Guer- Guer- Guillermo del Toro's career into the stratosphere too. You know, he's kind of like the indie creepy horror guy with what was that film that he did about the Pan's Labyrinth? Yes, Pan's Labyrinth. That was about this fascist, fascist in Spain or something. Um, the guy with yeah, the like I don't if, 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 if Wesley Snipes is not this magnetic and this cool, I don't know that you count Blade as an like he like self made that into an iconic character in in very similar ways that like uh, Arnold did the Terminator. Like, uh-huh. 
if the Terminator is just some dude, do we even think of the Terminator as an iconic villain? So no, and so much of this movie I think holds up. Like the the fight choreography and stuff holds up in a large part because Wesley Snipes is very athletic and very it moves very well. Um, I another way that this maybe is is like modern superhero stuff where they can do a bunch of CG and things is mm-hmm. the action isn't like super fast cuts. It's it's definitely faster than a lot of stuff at the time, but not as fast as most action movies today because Wesley Snipes can actually do most of the stuff they're asking him to do. And so they can kind yeah, of did you look up pull his the background? camera back a little. Yeah, he's like a fifth Don black belt uh, in some martial art. Yeah, in karate. Um, he oh. started training in martial arts okay. when he was 12. He's also trained mm-hmm. uh, in capoeira, which kind of explains some of the flashier things he pulls off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu before it was cool and kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, and that's the thing. It's like, y- you can pull out the camera, slow down the editing when your star is as good at stunts as your stuntmen. Yeah. Yeah, when sure. that stops becoming the case, then you got to shake the camera. <laughs> then you got to cut like you have to have millisecond long cuts. You got to you got to undercrank the camera. But fucking Wesley can do it, man. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of in his prime in this movie. And he, yes, he just moves like a martial artist. It's a, yeah, he's got this fluidity, the strength. Like, there's a part late in the movie where he's just like mowing through these mook vampires, and it's like they'll lay a hand on him, and then he's just like, it's, it's like what you expect something to happen to Steven Seagal. It's like he just grabs them and twists them, and they just go fucking flying, and uh, you never doubt it because like it's fucking Wesley Snipes. He looks like he can do it, and he's like half a vampire on top of it. So it's like, yeah, uh-huh. his physicality is what makes this performance work. Um, and like I said some of the stuff with his mother I don't think works at all if you don't have a person who's as good an actor as Wesley Snipes sure he's extremely charismatic as well and we haven't seen a lot of him like course, I don't know maybe he's got a ton of shit that I'm not aware of but I can't think of anything in the back half of his catalog that would make people think that he's a good actor you know, like all the stuff that he'd done that was like serious and New Jack's that behind, you know, it's like he got he got Demolition Man leading up to this. Um, or was that after this? Uh, that was maybe after. No, Demolition it was before this, right? Man was 95? in 93. Yes. Way before. Three. Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think this is. um it's a great movie. It's like the kind of the center line for several people's careers. Uh, it still holds up well. Um, I think that the other thing I really found interesting about this is, and this is a like David Goyer's fingerprints are all over this movie. A lot of the things that he seems to be personally interested in are showcased. And one of the things he did is kind of take a postmodernist approach to vampirism, you know, and like, Mm -hmm ultra scientific he's talking of like you know oh yeah sure maybe they're allergic to silver or garlic but shoot them full of like an a powerful anticoagulant drug and watch them explode into blood mist like there is this desire to like decouple it from the roman catholicism of the setting and i think that's kind of ahead of the curve too yeah and then you've got you know the supernatural uh i mean vampires inherently you know supernatural but also then you've got the blood god right the uh la magra of it all 
Uh, so you do definitely have like the fantastical elements, but the vampirism itself is very, you know, a comic book movie rooted in science, right? Right. And also there's like, I, I, I think that um, Stephen Dorff's Deacon Frost is an interesting character because they write him as this like young punk rock vampire uh, uh-huh. that he is, you know, he's very jealous of the pure bloods. He wants to overthrow their whole regime and, and, uh, up in the order of balance of vampires versus the livestock, et cetera, et cetera. But I think literally if, uh, he's, he's his own worst enemy. Like they portray him as a person who is like a Silicon Valley disruptor. He's breaking things faster than he can understand why they were put in place in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the older vampires are not as afraid of him as much as just underestimate how reckless he's going to be. Because I get the idea that, like, he has no real plan for what happens after La Magra comes, after the Blood God comes. Um, no, I'm not even sure he knows what's going to happen. Um, I, I guess he thinks he'll become extra powerful, but that's kind of it. And he's putting, like, they, they show him, like, he pulling the wool over his own people, like, uh, don't alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems, thinks that he's going to be a vampire god and like Steven Dorf kind of like smiles at him like oh you fucking useful idiot um, but in the end it's like I, I don't know if, if if Frost gets everything he wants in this movie I don't know it does anything but destroys every living thing on earth and that's if he doesn't fuck it up you it's know? possible yeah I, I didn't I don't see him as the guy who has like a logistical plan for how they're going to breed and uh, essentially how they're going to grow their food right I he heard that the script actually addresses it and that their plan was they're going to keep a small breeding colony of humans in these giant blood bags. Does it? Um, but I, the other thing is like, I, I don't know. I mean, this is getting in like critiquing the, the, the premise of the film, but like, I don't, I don't know why that would appeal to a vampire, especially like Deacon Frost. Like, ah, yeah. oh, we're going to rule the whole world and there'll be like a thousand blood bags that we all just kind of go to for our daily blood rations and I'll be master of it all. It's like, isn't it cooler to kind of seduce and hunt living prey through cities and for like, like for a predator, you want to be fucking kept in a zoo and bag fed. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be disappointing. But think of the raves they could have, man. Oh my they, god! If they could come out bags. of the, the underground meat processing plants and out into the daylight, as it were. God, that's another influential thing. I can't think of a single <laughs> oh, vampire yeah. film that's come out since. Even spoofs like Rick and Morty and uh, like that the, doesn't feature a fucking blood rave. Like you know, that's oh, that scene is a hundred percent iconic as an opening scene for this movie. That is mind blowing. Uh, yeah, although it's kind of hilarious when you think about it. Because they're basically like spraying gravy all over themselves. <laughs> like if humans were to do it, it's like you're spraying <laughs> che- like cheese whiz yeah. and partying down in it. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, you 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 go to food. the you you go to the uh, uh, Philly steak sandwich rave and they just spray cheese whiz from the uh-huh. what, yeah what. <laughs> but I mean, that's the whole. And I know you're. It's, it's a joke, but like. That's yeah, the yeah. whole weird psychosexual element of the vampire is their food is a is a sex act too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like this 
this is not i would say this is more influential certainly for vampire movies than it is for comic book movies overall interesting Uh, like comic book superhero movies because i can't think of a vampire movie after this it doesn't have some element of this in it um whether it's okay yeah i guess that (laughs) redefined vampires when it came out uh Goyer but had he, something go. He had, he, had, he, he did, had, we didn't let him cook. We didn't let him cook. We let we let Stephanie Meyer come in there and fucking start salting and peppering, and it just is no good. Right? We could have had gravy-soaked, raving vampires. Yes. And instead, we got twinkly emo vampires. Sparkle I don't know. boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is way cooler than Twilight, I gotta say. Uh, but it was super influential, right? Like, I... Every time, you know, the Prodigy-esque soundtrack kicks up, I'm like, oh, yeah, they made a whole generation of movies like this after it. Um, yeah. Every time I see, yeah, the Blood Rave scene, every time I see some of the effects that they did, uh, Honestly, I'm just like, this is influential. We gave Matrix so much credit for the world design. And, like, you know, these were so close together that I don't know how. But, like, Blade should get a little bit of aesthetic for the Matrix. I mean, Blade came out for the first. Matrix aesthetic. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah the, the trench coats, the sunglasses, the uh, the bullet time. Can we talk about the, how there's a bullet time scene in this there's movie? There's a bullet time scene in this Before the Matrix? Movie. There is, like, the pansexual inclusivity of uh-huh. like the you know the nightclub scenes there it's it's all there. that rave aesthetic yeah the the music everything like the, it, if they weren't being made at the same time i would say the matrix just completely aped blade yeah yeah no i mean there'd be a lawsuit if like dragula played during that uh, <laughs> rave scene right like sure, it's yeah. done the, if, the wachowskis any, are in trouble any big name license uh artists in this movie and yeah the wachowskis are going down <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah the, the the way that scene uh also this movie is something that ebert points out that like this is a movie that's like ostentatiously uh showy and like um it's camera mm-hmm. angle there's everything it's just extremes and they have this like uh how do you pronounce this koyanis katsi Oh, that like, art film, yeah. Yeah, like as the sun sets over the city, the city kind of speeds up, and there's like, uh, and then you just see uh, Tracy Lord's going about doing uh, what she's doing, and she's luring this guy, and you know he's just dumb, and he wants to fuck Tracy Lord's, and she's going into the butcher shop, and like, wait, I thought that cow looked like a person, mm-hmm. and but then she she fucking sticks her tongue down his throat, and it's just it, it builds up so great to the blood rave and then this guy is just trying to claw his way out of it and he 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 shows up at the feet of of blade and then it's like fucking the first action scene is on um yeah i remember the first time i watched this film i'm like because you know comic book movies weren't comic book movies comic book movies were mostly jokes but i like comic books and this was being talked up a lot in Marvel, and i'm like i like i kind of liked wesley snipes you know, from the stuff I the stuff I'd seen him in, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna check this out. Uh, I was pretty much hooked from this scene on. Uh, yeah, it's and a hell of I've I can't I I I think that I didn't like Blade Two as much, but I think I really like Blade Three, or maybe the reverse is true. Um, Hopefully, the reverse. Uh, Blade Three is largely panned. Uh, is and, it okay? Yeah, and and Del Toro is the one who directed two, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Who directed the third one? Well, I thought that he Goyer did both. Did. Goyer directed? Oh, right. Uh-huh. He directed Blade Trinity. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. 
On the latest episode of Off the Clock, we're catching up on Constellation. Aaron has some Avatar The Last Airbender to talk about, and perhaps I'll give a belated review of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. You can find that in your premium feeds this Wednesday. And don't you forget about lunch, because our weekly Q&A session starts at 1 p.m. this Friday on Patreon. But if you can't catch the show live, you can listen to the podcast later that evening. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. And now, back with more Bald Move. Where do we want to go? Uh... I don't know. Can we ask? So, like, we talked about the shoddy CG. Uh huh. Why did they do it? Because some of the stuff, like, before you get to, before you get to the end, where it just kind of completely falls on its face, they do. There's like drops of blood in the sprinkler system. There's blade throwing some of his blades. And instead of just doing like conventional or, you know, something in camera, they do that. It's all composited and digital and it looks great. Like, I, I often wonder, like, why did they do it that way? That they're just like, well, we're just going to have Wesley Snipe throw something. You just, just act like he's throwing something and we don't want someone to get a chance to get hit with it. So we'll just like, you know, CG is a thing now. We'll just do, fix it in post. Do you think they just made that kind of mistake <laughs> that like it'll be faster and easier in post and then it just wasn't quite there? God, I hope not, because... I don't know. Uh, I I definitely could have told them it wasn't quite there. Like as far as both visuals and also it couldn't have been cheaper, right? Um, there's no way that hiring visual effects artists to do the complicated stuff they're trying to do could be cheaper at that time. So they must they have been going that? for something. Because I feel like the marketing and CGI in the time was like this is the things that would take you months to do and you know have to take twelve model makers to make and. You only get one shot at it. Like you can do it in a fraction of the time with a fra- I Like I think that was the promise of CG. I don't think that's, and I think that's largely true. It's just that, yeah. Now it, it became is, certainly it became so cheap and easy that now movies are ninety percent special effects, whereas before they'd uh-huh. be ninety percent nothing, and then ten percent like, oh fuck, look at that shitty composite job. Um, yeah, yeah. Look at those those bad computer graphics on that computer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they were going for something, going for an aesthetic, uh, a modern aesthetic. Everything else about this movie tells me that that's true. Um, so, yeah, I, probably not a, ah, we'll fix it later, kind of reckless attitude. Maybe with that, that's, they were so, like, next level in their aesthetic, they're just like, well, we can't do Raiders of the Lost Star ghost scene. You know, we can't get these guys in an aquarium and drag them around and then come out like, it's just going to look old it's gonna look like a republican serial uh, uh republic film serial when we're wanting it to look like the future yeah that's kind of what i mean it's it's yeah. like yeah we could use the old effects but what if we use the new effects and redefined what that stuff can do and i don't know i mean for 1998 i'm trying to think like with all the effects work they're doing it's it's not terrible I mean, some some of it is decent, and, and a lot of the effects are kind of custom-made to look okay for what they are, like the way and, that the vampires dissolve. Right. Um, that stuff looks good. I, I would say yeah. the stuff that looks bad is like, you know, their, their wireframe temple on the computer looks like dog shit. Uh, the actual 
vampires that like puff up and explode look really silly and bad mm-hmm. um but yeah the vampires disappearing when they get hit with stakes or silver or something i i think that stuff looks cool still it does hold up it's the first time you could kind of do that where like you know mm-hmm. you have wesley snipes with his giant samurai sword go in and he's like slicing six dudes standing around them and they're all just in high speed just exploding into brimstone and fire and it looks especially when he's like delimbing them because it's like you know once they're disconnected from the main vampire body they just burst into flames Uh i think that stuff you're right it's it's basically basically the vampire spirits and the blood effects yeah yeah those skeleton bats are and it's a it's a giant punch in the dick to this film because in the original script, Goyer wanted the blood god to be literally like a writhing mass of blood, like this Cthulhu kind of tentacles whipping and strangling Bane or Bane Blade and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we saw what they were able to do with the blood effects. It's not it's no. not great. It's not great at all. No. So they had to substitute that with Deacon Frost uh, doing a sword fight with Blade. And you can tell like the amount of time spent in the choreography in the filming like the entire action scene leading up to that is so impressive and then him and frost just kind of like stand across each other and swing their blades and they add a whole bunch of cgi sparkles like the metals flying off it, it's just very anticlimactic unfortunately hmm. yeah uh and then they they try to amplify it with the big explosion right they've been teasing or not even teasing. They've been, uh, I guess, foreshadowing all of the uh, with all of these explosions that are happening. Different yeah. vampires. This kind of big one at the end, right? You're gonna take out the main boss with that. This guy's full of thirteen vampires with the blood. Uh huh. And now thirteen vials of, of yeah. uh, whatever. Yeah, anticoagulant stuff. They're piping them full of. It's a good explosion. Yeah. I mean, he blows up real good, but it just doesn't look great. Yeah, I really like that spin kick that he does with the last vial and bids right in his forehead. So over the top. There, there are a few moments like that that are just completely over the top. I also want to, I kind of want to spend some time with Goyer on the Foundation interview asking some Blade questions because, like, did he come up with the line that some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill? Or I did, like, snipes, because, like, some of the stuff that, he shouts like when uh, the cops come in in the club and he sh- they shoot Wesley Snipes and Wesley Snipes is like, are you out of your motherfucking minds? It's like, did someone actually put that on a play- page or is that just like Snipes uh, yeah, ad lib? And they're like, well, that's cool. Because like, I I actually think this line, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill right before you kill the big bad guy is just hilariously awesome. I agree. It, it's extremely memorable because of how off kilter it is. Like I, I don't know what it means exactly, but it has a vibe to it that's like, yeah, you're trying to be more than you should, man. Just chill. Yeah. There's an easy way to go about life. It's pointing uh-huh. in the exact opposite direction, and you've got the exact wrong gear to be coming this way. But yep. I, yeah, it's like yep. it's a wholly new sentence. Like unless this uh-huh. is. I don't know some idiom from Goyer's fame. I've never heard someone say those that that word the words before. Yeah, I, I love to think that it's an idiom passed down generation to generation in the Goyer family. It's an old, jo- <laughs> old uh-huh. Goyer family secret. Uh huh. Um, and they try like that last fight. Like it's kind of cool where when Snipe just torsos Frost, and you think, oh, that's it. He just fucking killed him. 
uh, Deke when it's all talk mm-hmm. uh, or all bark, no bite. And then the blood like grabs him in midair and fuses them back together. It's just, yep. I don't know, man. The blood didn't look like blood. No, it's it's way too shiny for the lighting mm-hmm. in the scene. I mean, it's it's, it's purple. You know. It's it's it, it looks like the Klingon blood from like Star Trek Six when they're doing okay. the zero G uh, assassination stuff. Um, I did did Wesley Snipe invent a Naruto run? Uh, yeah, I saw that man. He must have. He must have. I don't know when Naruto was came Naruto out, but... even out in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, probably. That's probably from, like, the 80s or something. I don't actually know. Uh, yeah, because, like, I just went... When he got his sword back in, which is... That's, like, oh, so such a badass scene. Him working his way back to get his, his badass sword. Then he does that little twirl and plants it in the ground. Uh, and then, you know, Deacon's like, hey, you forgot about me. And he just does a full-on Naruto but it's cool it's like it's now a meme but like yeah mm-hmm. when we were all younger we thought that was the that's the fast way to run man yeah high, highly influential there too apparently Naruto came out in 2002 ah uh, that's why Sonic the Hedgehog runs right. too is Sonic the Hedgehog is, is, is Sonic the Hedgehog secretly influential to all these anime movies uh, yeah must be because Blade is definitely an anime movie it's it's got that it's, it's got that kind of aesthetic right yeah, it has that vibe. It's it's filtered through a Western lens, but definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something else that the, the Matrix gets so much credit for. It's like you know, oh, they got the anime aesthetic, and it's definitely you, stronger and aped aped much closer uh, in that movie. But uh, it's definitely here. Yeah, yeah. No, this movie way more influential than you realize. I think. Maybe that's go? maybe that's the reason. I know. Look, The Matrix is a huge movie, and everybody yeah. saw it, and everybody was blown away by it, rightfully so, because it's amazing. But I wonder if it's the one-two punch. It's it's the Blade Matrix punch of ninety-eight, ninety-nine that kind of cemented an aesthetic for ten years at least for a decade in most mm-hmm. action movies. Mm-hmm. Everybody was aping this stuff, and. Mm-hmm. I don't I I think it's definitely like the Matrix kicked it into high gear, but it's undeniable that so much of it is here on the screen. Yeah, it makes me wonder what the Ur example of the Black Duster is. What's the you know, when did we become fascinated with samurai swords and that mystique happen? And it had to be anime, yeah. right? There's no other place for it to come. Or I, I guess this is all this is all kind of like um uh, f- follow on success from the Kung Fu invasion because we yeah, kind of talked about with Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 70s, 80s. Um, yeah, the martial arts action movement in the US. It's been fully integrated. No longer do we have like Asian stars doing Asian arts in an Asian setting. We have just fully t- t- extracted all the bone marrow of coolness from it and in- and put it into inherently Western yeah. characters and archetypes and situations. Mm-hmm. All right, I dig it. Um, and there's there's some inspiration that you can see in this that I, I think is inspired by that stuff. Like you think of the Enter the Dragon scene with the mirrors and everything, and then you look at like the the vampire Bible scene. Oh, in the scroll smashing the scroll boxes. Yeah, yeah, that whole set feels vaguely inspired by it. 
um mm-hmm. you know john wick 4 feels inspired by this movie in a weird way well that's that. the new mirror fight it's the uh-huh. rich billionaire evil person's private museum collection of japanese armor that's right, what what's better ever... than fucking up a bunch of mirrors fucking right. up billionaires toys yeah fucking up mirrors that are armed uh <laughs> well yeah and have bonus weapons and power-ups con- con- contained in them yeah mm-hmm. um what did you think about the central relationship i guess the central relationship arguably is whistler and blade but the sure. other central relationship between dr karen and blade mm-hmm. um if you is 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 that a like yeah just what did you what, what did you think about it uh, before we go there, I want to stay on the the style and influence real quick. Sure, sure. Sorry. I, I've got a list of movies that I want you to rank for me. Not not like stack rank, but what's, what's better? What's better? What's a better vampire movie, Blade or Underworld? Ooh, Blade. Now we're just talking Underworld 1 and Blade 1. Blade? Okay, okay. Blade. What's a better vampire movie, Blade or Morbius? Well, I don't know if Blade ever morbs out, so it'd have to be Morbius. <laughs> it's Blade in time, yeah. Uh, okay, what's what's a better movie, Blade or Queen of the Damned? Oh, Blade, easily. All right, all right. Poor, poor Aaliyah, not getting her due. Uh, what's what's a better movie, she's Blade? The only, she's the only reason to watch that movie, honestly. Yeah. It's it's a compelling reason, though, I gotta say. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's the better movie, Blade or Blackula? Black I've not seen Blackula, so I guess I'd have to be Blade. <laughs> okay. I think that's probably fair anyway. Uh all right. I think you passed the test. All of it was a trick question. Everything was Blade. Yeah, except for Morbius, of course. Did you know that this movie originally had a surprise Mor- Morbius uh, can- Get cameo? Get out of here. No way. Yeah, the director, um, uh, I, I guess, had, I, I don't know whether he had minds to do more of these, but Stephen Norrington dressed up as Morbius to do a cameo teasing a Morbius universe that they reshot and added the uh, Blade in Russia angle, which is, is that how oh Blade 2 immediately starts? Is he still in Russia? Oh, I don't remember. I've only Where's seen he... two and three one time each. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, okay. I was gonna have to watch the Blades uh, trilogy all over again. Apparently, apparently, I do wonder how Blade speaks Russian because it's not, you know, that I'll buy that if a superhero is like one of their things is super intelligence. But yeah. Blade's just a dude who, yeah. you know, doesn't want to drink blood and is strong. It might make so the, the, the what makes sense if Blade was older, you know, like if he was like 300 years old, then like, yeah, okay, sure, you could probably speak 12 languages, sure. Um, but they say he ages normally, so he's yeah, like 30, he's just yeah, he's like in his 30s. Um, is it possible that Whistler made him study like va- vampiric languages just so okay. that because they, they, they mentioned that they migrate, like it's not that there's vampires all over the world, but like vampires kind of like migrate to avoid suspicion they kind of travel around the globe and and uh you know feed spread their feedings out so it would probably be important to if you're going to follow that migration to learn but but yeah like does he know like every fuck like does he speak farsi pashtun i don't know portuguese i believe that he speaks portuguese at least enough to say some motherfucker is always trying to ice skate uphill you can say in that Portuguese? in every language you can think of. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
what you i mean we we can can bounce back around the world building but, but i'm curious about what you thought because i was thinking that too like because it seems to be now i was just watching a youtube video that we're we're kind of decrying the lack of light romances um in hollywood like unless something's a split explicitly a romantic comedy it's like mm-hmm. people don't they don't people don't like it, 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 the title of this article wow. was like everyone is sexier than ever but no one is horny and they talk about like all these shows like that have like this fantastic like young uh vibrant viral cast but nobody's interested in fucking because like that's kind of gauche you can't you just can't match people up like that well it's a reaction um, to previous uh films which they were all about that right there there was a time in cinema where it was literally a joke that oh you know you get two attractive people on screen they have to hook up right yeah so this is like the backlash to that a hundred percent that you can't have a man and woman just working together they have to be fucking right um Uh but uh, you can overcorrect right it's also true that a lot of the times attractive people get together they end up fucking Mm -hmm. um and i was was like looking at this because this is kind of like in between in that i never thought that Karen and Blade had what I would call a romantic relationship, but they, and I, what I thought was interesting is they then used that to like film his feeding on her to be overtly sexual. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you got the idea that like, this isn't blade attracted to Karen. This is blade feeding as an animal. Like, this is something he's doing wildly out of character. So it's like they then, like, after that scene, like, it's very sexy. It's very sexy. He's like, cl- you know, like, you know, he's clinching her and grabbing her. And and she's telling him, don't stop, don't stop, because that's part of the vampire myth, too. It's like all all unbearably sexy. But then after mm-hmm. that, there's no like, oh, we should get together and we're going to be boyfriend. It's just like they're still professionals. She's working on a better serum for him, but they're not going to jump into bed. I thought it was an interesting yeah. way to split split those those roles in in the late 90s yeah i hadn't really thought about it um because i would say late 90s is about the time where the joke started where you know you couldn't have two people on screen without them banging yeah no i think that i i think the glory is a little bit ahead of the curve on that 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 stuff um they Mm -hmm. also i noticed did that with his mother too like one of the more disturbing things is you know, when Blade's mother comes back and, you know, you think it's going to be one type of, like, emotional plea, and then she goes into, like, the seductrix mode, and you can see, like, how terribly uncomfortable this is making Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wesley Snipes is really good at, like, you know, emoting that. Because there's, like, a lot of ways you could view what's happening as a, as a watcher, but you're, like, you know, see this kind of, like, the revulsion and and the sadness, the deep sadness that he's got, because like his whole life he thought is what his mother's dead, and turns out she's been his worst nightmare the entire time. Yeah, um, and a lot of that seduction is is the power of it, right? Like, come join us, and we can rule together. That kind of Emperor Palpatine, Darth Vader thing. Um, yeah, but like the Vader never grabbed Luke's dick, you know? Like this, this, this is what <laughs> it comes down. Like, it's, oh, I didn't see that. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> you're bound up and mostly naked and I'm getting like, you know, I'm invading your personal space, but I'm your mother, but also uh, it was designed to be creepy and off-putting. And I think it, Oh, it, it was. Worked. Yeah. And it, I think it pairs nicely with, um, the, yeah, like, like ba- 
Blade kind of strikes me as asexual, at least in this movie. He's like not into anything other than killing yeah. vampires. That's yeah, his much. sexual orientation, vampire murder. Mm-hmm. They don't have that on your login forms, your sign up forms. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a microaggression, to be honest. Yep. Uh, I want to know if vampires have perfect memories. I th- I think the the movie is conflicted about this. So mm. it's interesting to me when he goes to save Karen. He decide he makes that call right, like she's laying on the floor of the hospital being, after being bitten by a vampire. And rather than kill her, like Whistler says he should, he decides to save her. And in that moment, you see him making the decision, flashes back to his mother and the the POV of him as a baby being pulled away from her uh, as she's dying, he thinks. Um, He remembers that as a newborn? You know, I never... Because he never knew his mother at all. Like right, but he recognizes her too. Like, doesn't he? Re- uh-huh. I mean, yeah. He there's a shot of like, him remembering that moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I would buy that you'd have a superhuman memory. I don't because it's but funny because I was so that would explain the Russian stuff, right? Where he can speak any language he wants. Um, the uh, problem yeah. with that is they also say that you know Stephen Dorff when he's in the temple is like. Uh, the you know they got they got this temple here, and these idiot vampires on the council forgot it even existed. And I don't know if that's like a legit oh they just forgot completely, or if they are ignoring it because they don't think it's useful. I think I I distinctly got it as a ladder. Like it's it, and and it's like everything about Frost is designed to make me think that he is an idiot. So when he's saying, like, can you believe this giant facility that was constructed over great expense, just by forgotten by our elders? Like, and, and none of the elder vampires made it seem like they weren't aware of this and aware mm-hmm. of La Magra. It's just that they either didn't believe in it or rightly feared awakening yeah, yeah. it. Okay. Well, then I guess vampires have perfect memories from, uh, it could from be, a I, newborn or, or the daywalkers do. I don't know. I will say I got on the van the, the blade wiki because you know everything's got his fucking wiki and like man there's some really interesting world building like with what they did with vampires and ty- even in this movie there's so many types of vampirism there's the mm-hmm. the day walker there is the zombie type of vampire that uh, yeah, Dr. Karen's, Karen's ex-boyfriend gets turned into yeah. um, that was pretty fucked up I like that how they're just feeding keeping him down here in this dungeon in this pit feeding him the scraps right the corpses and rats yeah. and just like stuff they animal. deem uned- inedible yeah it's like an intimidation torture like feeding you to piranhas thing I'm gonna feed you to the zombie vampire why why did they choose him to to be that poor pathetic wretch do they just feed so, scraps why so why? I guess it's not something that vampires intend to do it's like a botched turn like oh, it, it's well, described in the wiki as like one out of a million will what like or one out of a hundred thousand feedings will do the, uh, something okay. with because this is this isn't mystical this is a science thing so it's like it's a virus that infects your body and uh-huh. your your human human body actually dies and you go to room temperature and like this is something where like that works and the vampire stuff works but not 
it keeps you alive, but it doesn't actually give you the vampirism stuff, so it just turns you into this undead cannibal. Um, I assumed he just didn't like raves enough. So it's like one of those things where, like, like, I guess eh. his genetic compatibility of vampirism. Okay, wasn't good that makes enough. sense. Yeah, does it? Because <laughs> I sure I do think that the the Goyer was definitely leaning on the rule of cool for a lot of this movie. It's oh like, yeah, and it's very cool. I, I yeah. love the concept. It's really fucked up. But I think some of the scientific stuff he does with vampire vampirism lets him do some of the crazier stuff. You know. Yeah. Like Pearl. Yeah, like exploding these vampires. Like, because it's not that just Pearl is morbidly obese. Oh, like, her yeah. whole. The, the, uh, is it a her? Is it's it a, a he. It's, it's a it's he. A him, yeah. Uh, their whole. Let's say there. Their whole thing was that they, you know, like they had pointed ears. Oh. Like, they, they, they look a lot more okay. like uh, Nosferatu, kind of. Yeah. The Max Shrek version. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's like, you, but you never questioned, like, what the fuck is this and how does it fit into the world? It's just some mm-hmm. freakish thing that Deacon Frost has got. And I thought it was interesting. There were no uh, vampires turning into bats, except for that final scene where the skeleton bats erupt from them during the ceremony. Yeah. Uh, Had they so lost it... the ability to do that because it's wild that the vampire souls have bat wings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the way they're like cherry picking and and remixing all the vampire lore, I think is is interesting. I, it, it gives it its own unique flavor. It'd be funny if they had like some of the older vampires, like crosses and holy water, worked on them just because it's like your mind makes it real. But there's no oh God. Like, then as the Matrix vampires, would definitely sue them. As, <laughs> you can't say your mind <laughs> made it real. <laughs> But you know, as vampires secularize, like most humans do, like they're like, oh, you know, actually, holy water doesn't do shit to us, and crucifixes don't like that. Yeah, that was just a cultural thing. We we outgrew it. Yeah, no, that, because that like would be pretty hilarious. The Lamagra stuff definitely didn't seem secular. It definitely seems mm-hmm. like prophecy and scripture and totally yeah. and the vampire Bible, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I got more questions. Vampires apparently in this lore can have babies. Yeah, so I, I learned that's the something I because I was curious about the you know when he's like you're not a pure blood I was like what the fuck is a pure blood vampire? Uh, and apparently in this universe, vampires can procreate. Uh, like their metabolism, it's a much slower process. So like a vampire having a healthy sexual appetite with their mate over the course of centuries might have two or three children. Um, they're really going at it and trying. Um, but they're considered pure bloods. And the difference with them too is like, I, um, I don't know if they, del- they delve into this in any of the movies, but like pure bloods don't have any scars at all because they came out of the womb with the ability to regenerate. Whereas mm-hmm. turned bloods, what they call the mud, the mud blood affectation, you know, you get to keep whatever scar you bring into vampirism. So if you've lost your eye or you got a prominent facial scar, like you get to keep that. But pure bloods are, are smooth. Yeah, that's, They're dolphin like a, smooth. It's like a telltale sign, right? That, that yeah. you're not a pure blood. But also I imagine they can just like smell you. Blade talks about the smell of a vampire. Probably, yeah. Although that might just be them being racist. True. With that in mind, not the racism part, the smell part, uh, or the baby part. Um, why <laughs> the don't smelly baby? Why smelly don't they racist just, babies? I got it. 
why don't they just make a blade that they can more easily subdue? Why don't they bite a pregnant woman who's very, very pregnant, cut the baby out of her, that's their daywalker, and they can take its blood. Does it not have enough blood? Yeah, I mean, you said blade has the blood of 12 normal humans. They, I... they could just make, they could just factory style create a bunch of daywalkers and then use their blood for the Lamagra ceremony. So again, according to the Blade lore Wikipedia, there's only been two daywalkers in the history of vampires. Uh, the progenitor of their species, Drake, Dracula, whatever, and Blade. So like, okay. now, is it this the first, literally Blade's the first time a pregnant woman got bit by a vampire? I mean, or was there be, some right? other crazy combination? Because you're right, if it's just as easy as like, we'll bite a pregnant woman, it seems like you could just create a Blade factory. But yeah. like... Yeah. It must be harder than that. It must be some kind of random genetic blood type thing. Two. Man, I bet that Daywalker blood goes for a lot on the vampire black market. Oh, man, yeah. You imagine the taste of Daywalker blood? It's so exotic, too. There's only one. Mm-hmm. And they, it just went on the market 30 years ago, and some of these vampires are thousands of years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I like so- how they also, the it's like, you know vampires don't get weak in the day they literally burn from uv rays so like uh, if a vampire wears a trench coat and a motorcycle helmet for example it can go around uh or or like wearing zinc oxide sunscreen you know yeah. i did wonder is his hair not flammable is it like when he's Good out in that scene threatening that little asian girl mm-hmm. I, I like oh how, are his eyeballs not flammable <laughs> sunscreen on the eyeballs. Is he wearing aluminum oxide contact lenses? Like what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hair gel? Sure. Yeah, I can see it. They had something in True Blood where the vampires, the older they were, the more susceptible to their weaknesses they were. So, like, if you got a three thousand year old vampire, like one brief exposure to sunlight would just pulverize them. But if you had a sure. vampire that's only a couple of years old, they smoke and burn it's unpleasant they're definitely taking damage and pain but you know they could tank minutes of that uh i wonder if they're playing with that a bit because i noticed when they had the execution scene with uh gitmo what the hell is his name gitano he was like the sun wasn't even up and he was already starting to smoke yeah um where none of the other turn bloods were i wonder if they're playing with that a little bit of the idea of like the older more pure the vampire the more uh, obviously the stronger they are but I, I, I guess the more their weaknesses would be concentrated too yeah no, that makes a certain amount of sense as much sense as anything else uh, I, I have some questions about like how you turn a human vampire because like it, I think it's just you bite them so, so in, in a lot of vampire lore it's the vampire has to bite you and you have to bite the vampire right and so yeah, you, the vampire has to drink you empty of blood and then you have to drink of the other vampire's blood and that's what turns you into a vampire but that's not true in this one because we see Mm -hmm. many people who are just bitten by a vampire and then the vampire runs away turn into vampires themselves so I think Whistler explains it in the scene that it's like the saliva okay yeah it's like that makes sense if it's like a virus yeah Called like a parovirus or something. They, they they did a lot of science words about hemophilia. And <laughs> yeah, all that just kind of ran. All this uh, right anemic and yeah, it's just yeah, a bunch of. I'm not a hematologist. Sorry, a bunch of WebMDB facts. 
Uh, but that brings me to the question, did Frost Familiar get exactly what he wanted? Because there's a scene where Frost, you know, his familiar's fucked up a hundred times over, blades on their ass, uh, and Frost, like, in his penthouse, bites him and tosses him into a pool. And it's played like, well, that's the end of, of fucking Rinfield or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. He's done. But in actuality, that would just turn him into a vampire. Uh, again, from the blade. <laughs> Jesus, man. All right. I spent a lot of time reading it last night. You know how, you know how I am with fresh lore? I love it. Um, <laughs> apparently, if you are, if you die, so like if you die as a human, you can't take uh, a vial of vampire saliva and inject it into the person's heart and bring them back to life. So I guess what you would say is that Frost completely drained him of life and killed him. And then he couldn't come back from that. If he had like mostly drained his life, not to the point of death, he would have come back. And your, your, your other thing is like, okay, I guess I wouldn't blow my hair back. What little I have left. If, if this guy shows up as a bit, as a bit joke and like blade Two, you know, maybe he does. I don't remember. Um, Cause you're right. Like I, even then it's like, okay, well, which came first, his teeth punctured his skin, infecting him mm-hmm. way before he managed to drain all of his blood. So you'd think that, yeah, throw him in the pool, but yeah, he's he's going to get his he's going to be like Guillermo. He's going to get his wish. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody else came back. Why wouldn't he? Um, I really like again the world building. How like most vampires, like there's just ruling houses, and they identify their familiars with little cattle marks. I thought that was cool. I like the detail yeah. that most large vampire clans own at least one blood bank in every major city, so they have easy at and they do like DoorDash style deliveries. Uh, I some of that stuff was really fucking cool, and it made it made mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, the it also makes it very sinister to go network. into your local blood bank to donate, but you know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> go during and... go during the day, high noon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, then you might run into a familiar. True, but they're always out there. Uh, speaking of the organization of the vampire stuff, I guess, like my big question is, why did they let Frost onto this vampiric council, or is he a part of it? I. <sighs> Because the the first time we're introduced to him, uh, he is sitting in what I think is his chair in the Vampiric Council, um, and he's you know giving them a bunch of shit about how they're not doing enough to subjugate the humans. So my, I've I always had that question too. But when I watch this, I think what you're supposed to understand is he's not on the council. He's being drugged in front of the council to answer for his actions okay so it's like general zod being brought before the council of krypton again like that doesn't mean he's on the council it just means yeah. That he's yeah so I, I think that's what's happening but you're th- but he does have a chair he does seem to have a chair i i would say maybe there is the possibility so i thought there was an but interesting also the vampires like, treat him like he's a like he's shit on their shoe so like when he takes uh-huh. a seat and they're all kind of like oh maybe that you're supposed to understand that he's taking an extreme liberty but could be why yeah. why is he given so much that, that's another question that the next natural question is why are they giving him this much rope right why are they giving this much this long a lead i thought maybe this was like because he's clearly like a lot younger than all mm-hmm. the other vampires in the council right, right? Um, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, maybe he is sort of a bridge to a new generation of vampires, right? Like he's been 
going around amassing all the rave loving vampires, blood shower loving vampires. Uh, and he's kind of got that, you know, contingent lockdown, the new generation of vampires. And so they have to let him have a seat at the table. I, I think, yeah, that like what Frost is doing is popular. Yeah. He's like, a, he's a populist vampire leader. I wish he would have played want? up the politics. You want of it blood a raves? I give you blood raves. And the other vampires right. are like, you had to drain a thousand corpses to throw that blood brain dummy. How many times do you think you can do that in New York City before like the humans go to war and they got atomic bombs mm-hmm. and shit? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I yeah, that, flashlights. That, that makes a because that's uh, when I was watching this with a critical eye, I'm like, this plot actually hangs together and is a lot more coherent than I would have thought just watching this as like a fun because you can enjoy this. Uh-huh. You can turn your brain off and enjoy this movie, but you don't have to turn your brain off very much to enjoy this movie. No. No, I would say the thing that lets this movie down the most is the effects, but even then I can look past it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is a damn shame. And then it's, I wonder if there is any, because this is the 25th anniversary. It is an influential film. I wonder if there would be any money, you know, like how, how much, uh, if you spend, if you spend 1 million uh, redoing right? these effects, do you make 10 on Blu-ray sales? I would think so. Like but, Marvel. Uh, I mean, Marvel owns this property, right? Like, let's do this revamp it does marvel own this property or is this one the ones that sony is still because like you know Ooh, like this sony uh, owns know. all of the bat all of the spider-man villains and that's well, why they own they're the trying rights, to make yeah to the to make the films the, right the venom like marvel Mobius, still owns the characters cra- and the ip they got craven the hunter coming out which is going to be stupid i'm going to already tell you that um <laughs> Because he's a stupid character in the comic books, so like I don't uh-huh. know how the hell they're gonna make him like a standalone uh, villain centric. Uh, following up with Mobius, yeah, just a fucking write this off as a, as a loss. This is a tax. This is a tax shelter to Sony uh, or Fox is doing. Um, but yeah, who the fuck owns Blade right now? I'm not sure, but I think whoever owns it, they if they have not already put something together, it's probably too late for the 25th. Oh anniversary, no, it's official. But... It's it's so the, the next blade is going to be part of Phase Five of the MCU. There so you it's go. Officially owned by Marvel. It's September 6, 2004. Man, get in there and touch this release. thing up. Right? It's a classic superhero film. It's owned by Marvel. It would do a lot for goodwill for old school comic book fans to probably mm-hmm. help them get into Phase Five. Like have, yeah, I I don't know. I think it'd be a cool idea to just go in and revamp the effects and, you know, put out a Blu-ray where you include both versions of the film. You can switch between them at any time, right? And you can just kind of see the old and the new stuff they did. So you haven't, like, done the Star Wars thing where you say, no, we will not ever show the old Blade. So you still have the goodwill of the old and Apparently they completely shot the Eldritch Horror La Magra fight with Wesley Snipes. It's just the effects didn't work. So, like, I wonder if they could even... Oh, wow. Yeah, create Replace that footage. shitty sword fight with this, like, the essentially the end of Hellboy. Uh, yeah, deleted scenes with, like, some awesome effects. I don't know, man. I think that'd be cool, but I don't see them doing it. Yeah, I wonder if Guillermo del Toro came up with that Hellboy end because he knew the failed blade one because it's yeah there's a, there's a lot of similarities in how it looked like that stuff all went down mm-hmm. we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause and now back with more bald move all right let's talk about some of the sets that get trashed in this movie because i think there's a lot of good set trashing um all right some that's unjust and some that is rightfully deserved. 
the the scene where I guess Blade uses uh, Karen as a as bait to try and lure out the the Renfield of this movie, so you can follow him back to Frost. Uh, the the Renfield character follows her back to her apartment, and Blade comes in and starts kicking his ass and just smashing him into everything, like blowing up her vases, destroying her couches, like. Mm-hmm. I know she's supposed to abandon this stuff and lead a new life, but she probably could have done some consignment deal after the fact. Maybe got the money she needed to live that new life that he's telling her to live. Uh, except for the fact that he comes in and destroys all of her shit. It, and he doesn't have to. That's the thing. She's she's standing there like, dude, you're trashing my stuff. Is this really necessary? And he doesn't say a damn word and throws the guy through another couch. And then he'll say, you got to wake up, Karen. You're living in a you're the, the world you're living in is just a candy coated surface <laughs> of the real world. Top, yeah, because yeah. like that that's a scene where he ends up because um, she is like she starts off with like yeah hey, aren't you just being a little too much and like she keeps him from killing the cop you know and he gets the way gets a run away and he gives her that speech like you know you got to decide because um, mm-hmm. she Which ultimately to, like, she even wants to like go like I think that's her first uh, instinct is like well I'll just call the cops if I get in trouble sure like, it's fucking they own the cops they own the cops you know. Uh, who do you think is their DoorDash drivers? Yeah, and I was kind of curious about that when the the bloodbath scene ends at the beginning and the cops show up. I'm like, oh, well, the jig is up. You know, the, all these vampires here, they're going to know something's weird is going on, but they own those people, apparently. Also, is, is Blake kind of an asshole for setting Donald Logue on fire and then sending him through the morgue knowing that he's going to not be dead? Because, like, mm-hmm. it's not, he knows it. Like, two, three oh, seconds yeah. after he opens his eyes, he's like, I came here to finish you off, fucker. And I don't know. Like, there's no Karen didn't need to almost become a vampire. No, because because yeah, also doesn't make sense because right. it's like I'm. I, I thought I was like because I remember he lived and when he stakes him up and sets him on fire and then he's like tell what's his face tell Frost that uh, you know it's uh, I'm it's open season on all bl- all blood suckers suck heads, and I'm yeah. like oh he's sending a message but then it doesn't make sense that he goes to the morgue to finish him off. Uh, he doesn't say the suckhead thing to him in that scene. The, he doesn't. The suckhead thing is later. Um, no, what I think he's doing there is experimenting. I think he's trying fire to see. Like he says something about like, uh, blah blah blah. Let's try fire this time. And I I think he's experimenting with what kills vampires, but he's been killing them for a while, so I don't know why he doesn't know this already. Hmm. I thought he was making a joke about like how many times he's maimed this guy before and I don't think I've ever done fire. So he lights him up. But it's just yeah, something about maybe, that didn't maybe. quite connect. Um Yeah, you could be right. Um But it does make Blade just look like a giant dick because it's like, ah, I just sent sent this guy to feed on a bunch of innocent humans because Well, I don't know. There is no reason. Uh I I wanted to talk about the other destruction scene where they're trashing the vampire Bible. Because, mm-hmm. like, if there's a way, sure enough, to get a group of people to hate you, it's to trash their religious texts. And I it's feel said, like yeah. if, the, if Udo Kier was not on the side of subjugate all humans before, he probably would be now. After Blade literally drives a truck. Well, I guess Whistler drives a truck through <laughs> their sacred texts. Yeah the manuscripts uh, i mean all that shit's gone it's destroyed yeah i thought that um watching this movie 
it seems like Deacon Frost was written to be hateable. Oh, like yeah. I, I think, and may, or maybe it's just because I'm an old man now, but and I see uh, these old people struggling to keep the young upstarts from destroying the the planet. Although it's the opposite, <laughs> I, I'm living in opposite world. It seems like the young people are oh, the yeah. same plan. The old people are like, nah, fuck it, let's keep uh, keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, I got that kind of like he's Deacon Frost is not cool. Like he's at best new money style cool. Um, yeah. and he's short-sighted and he's arrogant and he's not sophisticated. And I got like, it's not that Steven Dorff is, you know, uh, just on the face of him, hateable and likable. This character is written to be very annoying and very problematic and very like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a lot. Yeah, he's reckless. He's, uh, arrogant. Um, yeah, it's a bad combination, reckless and arrogant. Yeah. Here's something random, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that every single scene between uh, Udo and... Uh, is that his name? Udo... Yeah, Udo uh, Kier. Kier. Yeah, and uh, Stephen Dorff. You can definitely notice at the 32-minute mark when they're having their first kind of like uh, one-on-one debate there is an extremely loud nose whistle. Maybe two. I think there's slightly different <laughs> okay. reasons. There's a call and response going on. And I noticed that it's also notice, very noticeable during the uh, Udo's execution scene. All right. It's just, 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 just whistle. Like, is that a vampiric trait? Must be. Is that something you get yeah. from too many Lars von Trier movies? Like what? The, only the purebloods whistle. The half ah. their noses don't whistle. <laughs> only their sinuses are so clean and pure. Uh-huh, never, uh-huh. never having had a sinus infection. They're, you've they're, you've they're never passages. breathed that Transylvanian air. I, I know. I can tell your nose isn't whistling. Um, I want to talk about coolest blade moments. Okay. <laughs> In no particular <laughs> when order. His nose whistles. Sorry, I'm stuck on the nose whistling. Uh, that's not a coolest blade moment. It didn't involve no. blade. Number one. Uh, coolest mm-hmm. blade moment. Uh, Whistler, like uh, Dr. Karen Jensen, is writhing uh, in her vampiric transformation. Whistler intends to shoot her full of garlic, which she says is going to be extremely painful. She was going to know what be, uh, a, a fucking Thanksgiving turkey feels like with a, a flavor injection. And he says, B- the blade, hold her down. And blade just takes one fucking hand and just puts it on her belly. And it's like, she's just like still for the rest of the scene. Yeah. So fucking badass. Cool. Uh, uh, I'll talk I'll about one out there. All that right, is all right. so over the top. This is one of those way over the top moments. Uh, it's when Blade kills Quinn. Quinn was wearing his glasses. They fly up in the air. Blade catches them in one yes. hand, and the breakbeat music starts up. <laughs> like, yes. Right, this is cool. This the is the second- epitome of that style. Especially since, like, he'd been fucking, like, they built up that Donald character, Quinn, to be, I think, a heavy. Like, and you're like, oh, this next uh-huh. fight is going to be insane. And Blade just fucking takes that monofilament Garrett, whips his head off. Yeah, it's so, it's so mm-hmm. fucking cool. Um, I think just this, this Blade sword. I love the booby trap nature of it. I love when the vampire picks it up and is like, you know, swinging around like, oh, cool blade sword. And then just fucking takes her hand off. Uh, and uh, they found a way to make it useful in the final fight. You know, like blades, uh, quote unquote, mm, yeah. serum. that's secretly his anticoagulant stuck up in a crack somehow. And he throws a sword up there and it gives uh, Frost a chance to gloat like, ah, oh, you fucking missed, you idiot. And then the hilt fires and... <laughs> 
Well, we already know what happens. He, he gets uh, yeah. spun kicked around right in his face. Yeah, and that's a super cool moment too. Again, way over the top, but very yeah. cool. Uh, another one is when he's equipping Karen, like he's telling her all the knowledge, like, you know, uh, you got to use steak, silver, sunlight. And he gives her a gun with silver hollow point bullets with garlic embedded in the tips. And he's like, uh, you know, he's like, stay on your feet. There's worse things out there than vampires. And she's like, like what? He goes, like me. I think <laughs> that's uh-huh. fucking that's fucking sick. <laughs> Uh, uh, the the capoeira move, the one that I recognize as a capoeira move that he does, where he mm-hmm. like, I, I think he uses it on Frost, right? Like he kind of looks like he's gonna walk away from Frost, and then he drops down mm-hmm. away from him, and then flips over the top and kicks him. That's really cool. Uh, he did something like that with Tracy Lords, where he went in for like what I would call in a man of ball tap. Like he he oh, fires the shotgun. a shotgun, yeah. He fires a shotgun, it's empty, and I think he does one of those Keanu Reeves like fluid reload with a single shot into the chamber. But it looks like he's like he just it, yeah he's just I don't know he fucking gun stock to the C unit and then blows her head off. I thought that was a pretty slick move. Yeah. Uh, he does some of that co uh that 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 pose he does when he gets his sword back that's so you know he's got he's it's just the his bulletproof vest and his leather pants and his fucking combat boots and he grabs his sword out of the wall and he spins it around and puts it into the like I think that's a little bit of that too, that like that kick that dance kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Uh the way he goes to the vampire club and they ask him for an invitation, the way he like takes the sunglasses off and smiles right before he just gets to wade in and start wrecking shop. That was so fucking cool. Um, oh, another seeming seemingly uh, goyerism. It's happening all the time in his stuff. The fist pump, first blade, hmm. then Demerzel. Like, how do you how do you rank the fist pump as a as a cool move? It's not very cool. I agree. Fist it's pump very is Tiger Woods. It's very situational. Your dad, you know, getting a, securing a single bogey. Uh, on the golf course it's it's not it's yeah it's <laughs> yeah kind of ironic ironically cool it's it's hitting the it's hitting the middle target in the ski ball kind of yeah thing. <laughs> yeah now you can turn a fist pump you can do some like i think like you, you could work your way up to a cool fist pump but it's usually it's got to be dramatic like you got to be high somebody like you got to be swinging low and coming up high, you know and you get, get take a big stride with it and you, <laughs> sure. you can get a cool fist bump but just kind of like oh yeah that's no mm-hmm. yeah you got to spin it like muhammad ali or something right um how about when blade grapples himself onto a train i don't know how dr okay. karen survives that but it's mm-hmm. super fucking cool it's like you know how in, in Lord of the Rings, the two towers, Legolas, uh, and it, it grabs a hold of like a horse's harness and it flips him onto like a full galloping. Blade does yeah. that with a fucking train. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, does, I don't know does how he... it doesn't just ragdoll Karen, just break every bone in her body, but it does look cool when he does it. I assume he uses his own body as like a cushion, right? Yeah, yeah, because going zero to eighty miles an hour is. <laughs> Plus yeah, like a snipe rock hard body would be a sufficient uh, break for that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's not a blade moment, but I do love. I don't. I don't know. There's something. I think other things that Goyer likes is I think Goyer really likes unvarnished perno- or not pornography, unvarnished uh, profanity, <laughs> like just very yes, simple, agree. rough spun. Like when Whistler comes busting into their vampire library and he's like, "Catch you fuckers at a bad time," and just like that's it's, but it's fucking cool. Yeah, it's peppered throughout this movie where it's 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 almost ancillary, right? It's just like. Well, you could have said the same thing exactly the same way without the fuck, but you put it in there. So, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it seems like a thing he likes to do. That's fine. It's a little bit of um, I, I wonder how how influential was Samuel L. Jackson's motherfuckers in Pulp Fiction? Oh, because I feel like the the rate of motherfuckers in cinema sharply spiked after Pulp Fiction. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of it, a lot of like, you know, like, like one of the corniest lines is when the cops all unload and blade in like the in the, the blood rave scene. And he just kind of stares at him and is like, are you out of your motherfucking minds? And like, that's a weird mm. thing to say to cops are shooting at, at you, a black man <laughs> holding a sword. Um, mm-hmm. What was the other thing that I wanted to is something related to the the motherfucker of it all? Ah shit! I don't know. Um, I try to think of like we talked about some of the other cool points that there are cool points. Uh, oh in- god, there is one scene that just really irks me. Um, it's it's the scene where Whistler's pumping gas, filling up uh, Blade's car, and he's uh-huh. just spraying gas everywhere over the over the trunk, on his boots, on the floor, and then he really? lights up a cigarette. Right there he's, while he's, he's pumping. My man Zoolandering? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, oh 100%. God. It's fucked up. I don't I don't I can't watch it. I did like it again, this isn't the blade cool part, but like I like when Whistler's giving him the UV flashlight and Blade's like, it's still still so heavy. And Whistler's like, We're well, still so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like what do you That's want? Good. Like you know, like you look at like you, you look like you, you can, can handle it. it. Yeah. Just pull yourself onto a train. Come on now. It's the 25th anniversary of Blade, y'all. Uh, we're one year away from Blade Part 2 with Mahershala Ali. Very excited to see that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I hope you come to a better appreciation for this Dawn of Superheroes Age movie and, uh, and Wesley Snipes. Um, all right. We will be back with another pulp thing. I mean, we're doing so much pulp right now. I just got done with Star Trek. Uh, we're in the middle of um, Foundation. We are going to be doing uh, Daryl Dixon's Walking Dead really soon when that starts uh, coming out. So you'll have your pulp uh, coffers full, uh, believe you me. Uh, we'll be back with another one before you know it. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>